like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, junior detectives. I'm Kelly. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> wow, we have started off on a certain track today. <laughs> I'm curious how you're gonna how you're gonna go now. Are you gonna be Karen or <laughs> I'm so thrown, I'm like and I'm Nancy Drew, coming to you live from River Heights, where my identity Perfect. has been stolen. See, see, you did it. You worked it in. Very on theme. <laughs> no, I'm Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> And that's Karen. <laughs> uh, welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for scuba diving enthusiasts. <laughs> this week, we're discussing, Karen, you're, as far as I know, your all-time hands-down worst nightmare, a book with a ghost on the cover, otherwise known as Nancy Drew and the Mystery Lilac Inn. And in no particular order, we're going to work our way through some really deep philosophical issues, such as... Should there be a legal limit on the number of characters allowed in a 180-page YA novel? Yes, there should. Yeah. There should. <laughs> this was ridiculous. Uh, question number two. Why does Carolyn Keene have such a problem with actors? G great question. S second time this has happened, second she does time. not like... She does not love a thespian. No, she really definitely has that life upon the wicked stage vibe thing going on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and as two people who were previously involved in professional theater, it cuts deep, Carolyn. It cuts real deep. Hurting my feelings. And number three, what is the total number of concussions to date across the four Nancy Drew novels? Have you kept count? I wish I had been because 20? I don't know. It's getting up there. <laughs> it's at least one per book. So, A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot. Yes. Hang on a second. Fifi's meowing at the I door. I hear a Fifi. Fifi, you gotta go away. Okay. I am back. Yay! Sorry about that. Hey, you know what? I have cat too. Real life is happening all around Real us at every moment. Hamilton-esque, practically. <laughs> so I, I want to know, before we get into this book, we talked about this kind of briefly. You alluded to it in our reading list number two episode just recently about part of the reason why you're so dreading this book is because you have your own real life ghost sto experience ghost story and i'm yes dying to hear about it would you please tell me i will tell you and get ready for a spine tingling adventure because <laughs> also i'm gonna sound completely unhinged so <laughs> if we lose all of our listeners and friends after this i apologize in advance <laughs> I, I mean, it, does so, anybody ever sound fully hinged when telling a ghost story? No, no, they don't. No. Really Carry on. Point. Carry on. Fully to be fully hinged. I like that. Fully hinged. So, okay, senior year of college, young Karen. I'm living in an apartment with my two roommates who are lovely, and weird things begin to happen. And I will. Were you in a house? Say or an It was like it wasn't a dorm. It was in a slightly off-campus apartment. Um, that had, I think, three or four other units in it. So it was like a an apartment. Okay. 
It was definitely an old building, and this is in the middle of Kentucky, so, like, old brick building. Like, our bedroom had a fireplace in it, so, like, very kind of, like, this is not, like, a modern, newly erected, like, townhome or something. This is, this this building has some history. A little character to it. Indeed. So, it's right at the end of my senior year. I'm, like, going through finals, like, writing final papers, things like that, and the first encounter happens in the middle of the night. It's, like... Uh, it's a Monday night. Well, I guess Tuesday morning at like two thirty in the morning, and I I am awake. I wake up like in the middle of the night, and I'm freezing cold, and I cannot move. I have like full on sleep Mm-mm. paralysis, Mm-mm. which has never happened Mm-mm. to me before. Don't like any of this. And I'm like so cold, and I cannot move. And all of a sudden, I see black smoke pouring under the bedroom door. <gasps> What? How have I never heard this story before? Because I probably have been too, like, traumatized to tell you about it. So I'm, like, seeing this, like, very thick black smoke start coming up from under the bedroom door, and I cannot move. And I'm, like, trying to, like... And my roommate, Tanya, is, like, sleeping in the bed next to me, and I'm trying to, like... Get her attention. and move, and I can't. I can't open my mouth. I'm just going, like, kind of thing. And eventually I just, like... I'm like, this isn't real. And I close my eyes and I, I don't even remember what happens. I don't know if I slept the rest of the night. And the next day, Tanya's like, you were talking in your sleep a lot, etc." And I'm like, I had this terrifying, I don't know if it was a dream, but I'm like, I swear I was awake. Ooh, I don't and like that at all. From, yeah, it was real unpleasant. And from that point on, this weird stuff started happening to me, both in and outside of the apartment. Um on the mantle in that same bedroom, my roommate had one of those, you know, those daily calendars that you rip the pages uh-huh. off of? Yeah. And those pages are like glued in. Yeah. You don't have to like really tug at them. I was in the kitchen of this apartment and I heard a crash and I came back in the bedroom and that calendar had fallen off and all of the pages were all over the floor. Like they had been ripped off. They were just everywhere all over the floor. Oh my gosh. And I was like, hate that. Um, like, I was driving in my car late at night, and, like, the dome light started... Oh, and I was talking to someone about this while I was driving, and the dome light started flickering in my car, like, as soon as I started talking about it, and I was like, I don't like that. Oh, and then dislike all of this. Yeah. And so I started telling all of my, like, close friends about this, and I was like, I think I've lost my mind, but I... I have a ghost and I hate it, and it's not a good ghost. Like, this is... Right. This is, this is this something is unpleasant. Like, right. It's not like Casper that's like, hello, do you want to be my right, friend? Be Which my would friend? still terrify me. Yeah, this was like a I'm gonna get you kind of ghost. Mm. Um, and so, like, my best friend is over, like, helping me sage the apartment. Like, oh, so many people are like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Like, I'm like, give me whatever talisman you have. I right. will put it in this apartment. <laughs> right, exactly. I am like, yes. super not here for this. Sage, crystals, and holy water, bring it all. Every, for about three or four weeks... Onward, every Tuesday morning at like 2.30 a.m., I would have a dream about this black smoke. Like one of the dreams was about one of my friends who was trying to help me. And regular dream, I'm just like chit-chatting with him. And all of a sudden, this black smoke starts pouring out of their mouth. I wake up, it's 2.30 in the morning. Um, My friends that are trying to like help me start having dreams about this thing Seriously? as well. Yeah, like three people were like, I dreamed about it. <laughs> it was... Karen, that is terrifying. It was awful. And then 
so then I graduated from college. I moved to California like three days after I graduated from college. And I was like, maybe it's gone. And it's only happened once since then. And it was in my apartment in my first apartment in California about three months later, Tuesday at around 2.30 in the morning, I had a really scary dream about it. And I was like, enough. Like, this is enough. Like, I don't like this. I'm out. I hate you. Leave me alone. And so far, no additional experiences. And that was I don't know what, like, 13 years ago. So, Oh, my God. Well, um, I mean, not I'm not encouraging you to do this because I'd be kind of afraid of what you would discover. But have you ever Googled that, like, that kind of dream? I think I did at the time and then got even more freaked out, more afraid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, like, really That's really unpleasant. scary. There were just a bunch of weird... Who knows? Like, I'm sure I was just having nightmares and there were a bunch of explainable Nancy Drew style things that were happening. But like, just many coincidental things happened right after that that were uncomfortable. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't like any of that. That makes me uncomfortable. And now I'm scared of the dark. The end. (laughs) Now I'm kind of wishing that my back were against a wall during this podcast recording. (laughs) Rather than just like hanging out in the wind like it is. <laughs> like have have you ever had a ghostly encounter? I I really haven't. Um but I there's I think there's this piece of me that wishes that I would, but then I really don't want to. I mean, I I know that's kind of weird, but I've never had any kind of ghost encounter personally. But the majority of my friends have. And they've told some really? crazy ones, yeah. And do you have like a top of mind one that you could share? Um, I mean, the the first one that jumps to mind is one of my girlfriend's grandfathers appeared to her like at the foot of her bed in the middle of the night. And she got a call like 20 minutes later from her mother saying that her grandfather had passed away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I have I have goosebumps. Yeah like chills so anyway no i mean i don't know i mean so i guess you believe in ghosts i would assume after that right i don't know that i do but i know that i don't want to find out yes cheers <laughs> i i know i'm I, I i do believe in it i guess i think there's too much i've heard too many stories for me to discount it entirely you know yeah and part of me completely hopes it's true because you know i want to come back and haunt you <laughs> That would be the meanest sister prank. No, ever. Like, in a, like, she's like in a lovely she's way. She's gonna hate it. Like in a lovely way. <laughs> like I'll come back and I'll I'll like put your calendar pages back on the calendar for you. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. Like I'll I'll scoop the litter box for you. That is the sweetest ghost story of all. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I would not come back to haunt you in terms like to try to scare you. Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, maybe a little like, bit. Maybe at first. a little. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Maybe just once or twice, but like then we would both have a good chuckle about it. We'd establish a pattern, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you would, you know, never sleep again. So no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, I, I I would come back and haunt you, just like gently. Well, thank you for having this conversation with me. I'm fully like goosebumped all over my body yeah sure Um, well hey before we move on i do have one other question oh okay so yesterday from the day we're recording um was independent bookstore day and i'm curious i I know you went to the bookstore i know you got books 
of your of your haul, what's your favorite one? Most anticipated oh, that's such one. Such a good question. So I did buy a stack. Of course you did. Lie. I'm not surprised. As I'm as I'm sure you did as well. I did. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I got a fresh copy of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, mm. which I am so delighted by. A it was so satisfying. Yeah. Um, and then I think the book I'm the most excited about mm-hmm. is one that is called Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. Okay. And I've just heard amazing, amazing things about it. Coworkers have recommended it to me. I cannot wait to read it, and I will share it with you. Please when I do. Done. Thank you so much. You know my. What address. did you get, and where did you? What did you get, and where'd you get it? Uh, I got a whole bunch um, from. Uh, it's the cutest thing in the world. Um, it's the. It's called the Book Bus in Cincinnati, and oh my God. it's this woman who has outfitted this um, old VW bus into like a bookmobile. It's so cute. Um, That's awesome. Anyway, I bought several from her, um, and she does. She does really amazing work in the community too. Like. I, I'm pretty sure that all of her profits, I'm, I think I'm saying that right, it, all the profit that she makes, she essentially redonates in the form of books to school libraries in the, in the wow. area. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a cool thing. So anyway, I ordered from her online and got a couple of things, but the ones I'm most excited about, I got Stephen King's newest book called Later, which. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I don't know a ton about it, but. It is kind of on theme with this ghost thing. I think it's kind of yes. six sensey, you know. Um, Ooh, nope. And then I got I got a new Agatha Christie, a new a new to me Agatha Christie. <laughs> to be I fair. was like, she's still she's still <laughs> she's publishing, still churning them out. No, um, <laughs> uh, four fifty from Paddington, which I've never read before. So yeah. Oh, me neither. Yeah, I know. That's so awesome. Be happy to pass those along to you when I'm done. Although I don't think you're going to want that Stephen King. So. No, uh, you can hang on to that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so unsurprised to hear you say that. <laughs> uh, so should we dive into, uh, no pun intended, should, should we skin dive into uh, Nancy Drew? Oh, God. So <laughs> many diving jokes are about to happen. It's It can't be helped. We should. and We're not even going to try, I- though. Before before we get into all of this, I had to Google this book because this is hands down the weirdest Nancy Drew book we have read yet. Completely. I, it was I'm like, what yeah. has happened here? So I Googled it. I'm like, huh? And I found some interesting things that might explain why the plot has gone completely haywire okay. in this book. So as we know. As we have learned together in previous episodes, these were written in 1930 by uh, "quote unquote" Carolyn Keene, which was in fact this female journalist writing under a pen name. And then later, they were revised by others and ghostwritten, etc., by a, a crew of people. So this book, the 1930 version, is apparently incredibly different than what we have access to. I'm guessing that that's for a pretty damn good reason. Oh, it sure is. Uh, so I'm going to just read this from the Wikipedia. It was rewritten in 1961 by Harriet Stratmeyer Adams. And oh, it says that she ex- Stratmeyer was the um, original publisher, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it says that this woman extensively revised the novel. And the direct quote is she created a completely different story. Um, 
Still quoting from Wikipedia, the original omitted the lead characters for much of the action, which I don't really understand what that means or how that's possible. But it also says the titular inn was only a place where a crime was committed with minor investigatory follow-up. And the whole domestic help subplot that was involved in this with, like, apparently there was much more with, like, the gardeners and the maids Mm -hmm. and the waitresses was very out of place in 1961. But here's the kicker. Apparently, this first edition of the book was incredibly racist and xenophobic and had went so far as to actually have ethnic slurs in it. Wow. That's disappointing. Yeah. It is. So, um... You know, there are some other quotes about what that content looks like. I will not even give them airtime because obviously that is awful. Um, but someone picked this book up in 1961 and was like, oh, nope. oh no. Yeah. Nope. No, 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 no. This was a heavy editing exercise Good. when it was originally written, Good. and which is fantastic. It also resulted in. A very weird, like, pieces pulled out and replaced with (laughs) some very bizarre plot elements, which we will discuss. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I got for you. Mm. Like, a little bit of a mystery about this mystery. I'm like, this book seems different. Real hacked together. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it it was. Hmm. Well, hey, thanks for the research. That's good to know. So on to more delightful things. Yes. Our one-sentence plot submissions from our friends on Instagram. Oh, my gosh. They were. We we had some really amazing ones this week. So if you follow us on Instagram, highly recommend going back and and finding um, our one-sentence plot contest post for for this book, because there were some really funny ones. Um, But our favorite one from this week was from Dana, who said, At first, Nancy was concerned for the floating girl she saw outside the inn. But when the girl tried to recruit Nancy to join her multi-level marketing scheme, she originally recognized Lilac Inn for what it really was, a front for Herbalife. (laughs) (laughs) I love this so much. Frankly, it doesn't feel that far off, so... (laughs) No, it could have been entirely possible. It could have easily been in this book with what we're going to get into. Also, Dana is one of my favorite people in the world, and she is a fellow actress. That is how I met her when we worked at the California Theater Center together. Nice. So I'm curious if she has some thoughts about how us, us thespians keep getting raked through the mud here raked by Carolyn over King. the coals. Unacceptable. <laughs> so, uh, Karen, before we uh, move on, are you ready to do our super fast plot? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I really... Karma came for me it with did. this one because yeah, it came hard. I was I was <laughs> very glibly suggesting last last episode that I was happy I didn't have to write the plot summary for the Westing game, and I'm like, oh, I just got the next Nancy. It'll be super easy. And then out of nowhere, this book <laughs> popped up. So, out of nowhere, uh, we got submarines. <laughs> we got 47 characters. We've got all kinds of things. Secret agents. Like I, I think I spent more time on this than my MFA thesis. So. Uh, <laughs> I had to leave a lot out because this would otherwise have been like 27 pages. So uh, I'm, I'm, you get what I'm you actually get. looking forward to this because there were parts of this plot that I still genuinely don't understand. And I'm hoping that this will clarify some things for me. Oh, I'm sure it won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Nancy and Helen are off on another adventure to help their friend Emily prepare for her wedding. Emily has recently bought the Lilac Inn with her fiancé, 
So Nancy and Helen hop in a canoe to help Emily and her aunt go over the bridesmaid details. On their way to Lilac Inn, Nancy learns that someone has sighted a woman who looks exactly like her in River Heights. More on this to come. When they arrive at Lilac Inn, Nancy and Helen are introduced to several characters. Emily's Aunt Hazel, who's running the venue. A woman named Maud, who works for Aunt Hazel as the social director for the venue and is just incredibly rude to pretty much everyone. Mr. Daly, the former owner of the inn, who's sticking around to run the restaurant. And finally, John McBride, a super hot army sergeant who has taken a month of leave to be in the wedding. Nancy also learns that there have been a lot of mysterious happenings at the inn over the last few days, so spooky in fact that one of the waitresses has quit her job on the spot. Emily is worried this bad PR will be a real wet blanket for the venue and her upcoming nuptials. We learn that Nancy was in the local newspaper that week because she's recently become a certified skin diver. But Lilac Inn will have to wait. Hannah Gruen summons Nancy home because there's been a break-in at the Drew House. Aunt Hazel offers to drive Nancy to River Heights because, as it turns out, Emily is about to inherit her mother's jewels and Hazel needs to pick them up from the bank. That's right, folks. Emily, just like Laura Pendleton from the last book, is an orphan with jewels to inherit. Except Emily's parents died in a plane crash instead of a boating accident. Emily's plan is to sell some of the jewels to pay for repairs to Lilac Inn, so it will be super excellent for wedding time. Mean Maud decides to also come along on the errands and really P.O.'s Nancy by asking about Carson in an I-want-to-date-him sort of way. Maud also seems way too interested in the jewels and how much money they're worth, a total of $50,000. It turns out that Nancy's room is the only room in the Drew house that has been ransacked. She discovers that her charge plate or credit card has been stolen when the local department store calls her, accusing her of stealing merchandise when she came in earlier that day to make purchases, but Nancy was canoeing. She explains that she is likely being impersonated and gets the police involved. Nancy gets back to Lilac Inn just in time to learn that Maud randomly hired a new waitress in town named Jean Holmes, and they're all about to have a fancy dinner to give Emily her mother's diamonds. But during the meal, the power goes out and the diamonds vanish. Nancy sleuths and discovers that the perp has dropped a clue. Nancy's stolen charge plate and a typed note with Nancy's home address on it. The next day, John McBride is stoked because he suddenly finds the case of diamonds just laying in the lobby. So the girls go to town to sell a few, only to learn from the jeweler that the diamonds are fake. Emily is in despair. But Nancy has to get back to Lilac Inn because she receives a note that John wants to meet her in the river where, because he is also a skin diver, he has found a clue. When Nancy goes on the dive, she can't find John. She sees something under the water that looks like a weird glass shark, and then she has a spear thrown at her. She goes back to the inn, totally freaked out, and John is there. He said that he was personally invited by Nancy to go to the orchard. So someone is double-crossing them, and it seems like it's Nancy's evil twin that's been gallivanting around. That night, Helen can't sleep and goes on a walk in the orchard at midnight. She sees what looks like a glowing ghost and gets knocked unconscious for an hour and a half. And when Nancy comes to look for her, their guest cottage blows up from a ticking time bomb. Nancy finds a strange typed clue in the shed that she thinks might have been written by the former waitress that left out of fear. So she decides to try a bunch of things that yield absolutely no results. Uh, interview the former employer of the waitress that quit. Stalk the waitress to her home in Dockville to interview her. 
impersonate the ghost that may have bonked Helen over the head to see who it's in cahoots with, and skin dive in the river with John to find the glass shark or the spear thrower. A bunch of other scary things then start to happen like an earthquake that is localized to just the inn. A lightning strike explodes the lilac tree in front of the house. John gets his foot stuck under a rock at the bottom of the river. And then finally, Maud and Emily have a huge fight and Maud rage quits because Emily accuses her of stealing all the diamonds. All right, so here is where everything gets incredibly confusing. Nancy finds a note in the tree written to a Lily Merriweather from someone named Gay. Helen has heard that Lily is a stock theater actress that's in town, so they go and interview her. They learn that Gay was another actress who went to jail for five years for check forgery and that her distant relative used to own Lilac Inn. Nancy starts to suspect that Gay is at the heart of all of this and is posing as multiple other people, like the waitress that quit, and perhaps also the new waitress, Jean, and perhaps also Nancy. Back at Lilac Inn, Nancy sees Jean skulking around and follows her to a shack, not a bungalow, Kelly, in the woods. Suddenly, a submarine pops up in the river, and Nancy gets whacked over the head and put in the submarine by Jean and four guys that are involved in this that are honestly just not even worth going into. In the middle of the river, like, how big is this river? She's transferred to another boat where Jean slash gay slash Nancy's evil twin confesses that she and these dudes stole the diamonds and were up to some other stuff. She also really hates the Drew family because Carson is the lawyer that put her in jail for check forgery. When the boat catches on fire and then starts to capsize, Nancy is rescued by the police, her dad, and John McBride, who also managed to catch all the bad guys who have either jumped overboard or tried to escape in the submarine. John, it turns out, is an undercover army major that's been tracking these dudes because they were also stealing top-secret electronics from a missile base. John and Nancy do one last skin dive and find the diamonds at the bottom of the river in Jean's makeup kit. Nancy gets a Distinguished Civilian Service Medal from the Army, a diamond brooch from Emily, and tells the world that she's married to mystery. The end. (laughs) Wow. Karen, cheers. (laughs) Clinkity clink clink. Thank you. I am literally raising a can of orange pineapple lemonade spiked seltzer to you (laughs) thank you oh that was a you did that was so hard you did very good at that and (laughs) we're getting to the point here where you are so much better at at me than this that i think it's only gonna take maybe me doing another two of them for the world to recognize that as well and you're just gonna have to keep there is some classic performance punishment coming your way Oh, I will be sure to really screw up the next one don't, that I do. Don't in that do case. that. Don't do that. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to put my hand on the scale here. Like I'm I'm not throwing intentional Red Sox in with the Whites. I'm just I'm just saying you're much better at this than I am. Um, well done. And not Thank for you. nothing. How did you know that I was going to imply at some point because I fully was that the shack in the woods was a bungalow. I have known you for 35 years. I like to think I know where your mind might go. Well, you did. <laughs> I, I I was going to ask if that were a bungalow. And I'm also curious if I don't remember the friend's name, but or like on page two of the book, when her and Helen are canoeing up the river to Lilac mm. Inn, 
when they pull up alongside a friend's house who's out just like weeding her garden alongside the river. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering if that wasn't a bungalow. It's it's likely. It seems like like that was probably a bungalow. (laughs) Excuse me, how many rooms does the second floor of your house have? Just one? Just the one. Sounds like a bungalow to Uh me, Deborah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a bungalow to me. I don't know who Deborah is, but I like her. She sounds smart. I thought that was the friend's name, the gardening friend. Denise, Deborah. It started with it it was Dor it was not Doris Day, but it was Doris. Doris D something. Doris Durkers. <laughs> There's too, too many characters Doris, in the book. I left her out Doris of the plot Drake. summary. Well, she was inconsequential. Doris Drake. But yeah. Doris Drake. It was a good name. <laughs> okay, True. so in today's quote unquote deep dive, which I'm sorry, we're just going to have to accept the fact that we're going to be saying dive a thousand times today because that was basically what this book was. <laughs> just underwater expeditions with nancy drew and helen um aquanauts everywhere aquanauts exactly um <laughs> here are today's hot topics are you ready i am so ready i cannot wait number one the lexicon of nancy drew mm-hmm. aka vocabulary <laughs> <laughs> number two Classic mystery elements employed in this book, which I'm very Mm -hmm. excited to talk about because, man, were there some humdingers. (laughs) True. (laughs) Um, Number three, real world River Heights. Yep. My favorite. My fave. Yep. And last but not least, who is Nancy in this book? And she does. We do learn some things about Nancy, like always. Some character (laughs) development. But Karen. Before we skin dive in. Oh my god. Just, ex- just you're going to have to learn to just breathe through it. It's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to lead in. I'm going to lead into the diving Let puns. it happen. Um, <laughs> general thoughts and musings? Listen. I'm listening. I unironically will say, I think this is without question my new favorite Nancy Drew book. Completely 100% <laughs> agree with you. I give it 1 million stars mm-hmm. for being just completely freaking ridiculous. Yes. I mean, the plot was horribly ex- executed. It was absurd. And I loved all of it. Totally agree. <laughs> and and I think like three quarters of the way through the book, I was like, I love this because I haven't figured it out yet. And then you get to the end and you're like, well, of course I wouldn't have figured it out. No. It makes no logical like, nor sense. Nor could you have. No, <laughs> there was, we did not stand a chance of solving <laughs> no. this mystery. And uh, I was, it's so funny. I was describing this to Garrett last night and he was like, <laughs> this is a direct quote from him. He was like, it sounds like Nancy has gone from, like, Scooby-Doo scenarios to, like, straight up Tom Clancy in four (laughs) books. That's so completely accurate. That is stated brilliantly. Because it is completely, it goes from a Scooby-Doo scenario of, like, a guy in a mask who stole somebody's cookies to a full-on cia missile weapon thief submarine chase submarine chase small earthquake equator like an earthquake equator an earthquake <laughs> I, i'm maker. with you yeah he's totally it's right absurd and then the last thing i will say is that i <laughs> was so happy 
that Helen is back. We were very worried mm-hmm. after the last book that we were going to never see Helen again. Yeah. And page one, Helen is back in the action. So just, I have just dreading that wedding. Nothing but love for this book. <laughs> just dre- just dreading Helen's wedding because I just know Jim is going to swoop over and take her over to Europe and we're never going to see her again. I know. I know, but it hasn't happened yet, so we still got Helen a little longer. Um, I know. I was she was me, like in sentence one, and I was here for it. Same. I I yelled aloud. I was like, Helen. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now that I have really overhyped this, what what are your <laughs> what are your thoughts and musings? I'm gonna start with this. I don't get okay. the ending. <laughs> oh, me neither. Not at all. <laughs> Here's my biggest. I, I'm hoping you can answer this for me why all of the drama at Lilac Inn? Like, why were they trying to convince Emily to sell the inn? Why were they trying to scare them off? I don't understand. We don't know. I I don't know. I got nothing. (laughs) I mean, I think the only, like, pseudo explanation that you could possibly come up with is that they were trying to make sure that nobody stumbled upon their little shack in the woods. I think that's right. Their shack where they were hoarding the stolen electronics from the missile base. They needed to protect it. I, and they're like, if there's a wedding here, there's going to be people crawling all over this property. Let's ghost them out. Let's ghost them I out. Don't, I don't know. That is a an interesting tactic to use, the ghost out premise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have never seen that happen in modern society, but it seems to happen an awful lot in Nancy Drew times. Second time now. Second second time in Nancy Drew times. Let's just make up a ghost. Um, So I will say my favorite thing that I, my little brain got to figure out in this book was who the heck is that on the cover? Not the ghost. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because. I agreed. Yeah. So I figured it out. Would you like me to Who share? Is it? Oh, Karen. When, once do. you see it, you're going to freak out. So as and we're gonna talk about this in a minute, I think, in our vocabulary section, but um <laughs> as we learned very early, uh our girl Nancy has Titian colored hair. And we always knew she was blonde. So when when they said that, I was like, oh, well, that's not Nancy on the cover then. Which No, it's a brunette. Right. I was like, well, that's weird. I mean, what huh. A bold choice to put not Nancy Drew on the cover of a Nancy Drew book, but it's not Nancy. No. And then as I continued reading, and I like have this in my notes, they describe Emily as having chestnut colored hair. And I went, oh, maybe it's Emily on the cover. Then a couple chapters later, Helen stumbles out in the middle of the night, which I want to talk about that in a bit more in a moment. But Helen wakes up in the middle of the night, can't sleep, and against her better judgment, goes out rambling through the lilac groves, and she sees the ghost. She, like, has she the does. ghost sighting, the first ghost sighting. And I went, oh, well, that makes sense. It's Helen. But no, Karen. It is Nancy. This is Nancy in her ghost <gasps> costume. She puts oh. She puts on the brunette wig, and if you look on the cover... You can see she has, you can see the light coming out of her cuffs because she's put the flashlights in her sleeves. Oh my, you are a, you are a genius. Thank you. I'm probably not. I'm sure there are lots of people listening to this going like, 
duh, Kelly. But no, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Nancy. Look at her flashlight arms. Yeah. Nancy with her wig to mm-hmm. impersonate the ghost. Right. You, you, yep, you saw, you saw this. I, saw I am it. super impressed right now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I was proud <laughs> you are of myself, pro- too. You are now promoted. You are. You will now get promoted to senior detective. That's well. all it took? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> the power is going to go to my head. Does that mean I don't have to do super super fast plots anymore? That will be my no, first edict to senior detective. <laughs> nope. Nope. Dead everyone gummit. in the police, everyone in the detective station has to do has super to fast take plot around. reviews. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Also, I thought that mini submarines were were like <laughs> mini unicorns, you know? Like cool, cool, you know? It's it's fake, right? Um they are not, and you can't you can actually buy like a two and three seater little they they call them like submersibles. Um Okay. But today, on my rough first Google search, you could buy like a little two-seater non-pressurized submersible, which sounds to me like worse than what they had, because theirs clearly was pressurized, um, for like $600,000, which would have been about forty grand in 1930. So they had made some good dough already. Selling off. If they're just cruising around the river in a yeah, they had enough money to just submarine. be like, you know what? Let's get that submarine. You know what? Like, we're worth it. We're gonna need. We're gonna need that to continue to steal from the missile silos. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I, you gotta. You gotta spend money to make money, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I find it so funny that they're like spending all this money on a submarine, but then. They're having to, like, break into a shack that they'd... I'm like, really? I mean, I don't know. It all felt a little a little unbelievable to me. Also, how small or big is this river? I mean... I, I, I said that in the plot overview. I was like, not only are they submarining around... So we know you can canoe. You can submarine right. in it. Then there's, like, a full-on boat chase with, like, yes. big boats. With big boats. Transferring mm-hmm. people from submarines to... I, this is the largest river I've ever heard. Tell it's a of. very big river, despite the <laughs> difficulty suspending your disbelief. You you said you also loved. I this loved book, it. Right? I loved it. I was I was hooked <laughs> from page one. Instantly hooked. It's and it's and it's my favorite cover. I have come to love the cover now that I know that there's not actually a ghost in this book. So. Now that it's not a real ghosty, it's just a girl with flashlights in her sleeves. Well, shall we? Are you ready for my vocabulary lesson? Very. I learned a lot of new words in this book that I had. Well, and, never and you heard. already and, have and phrases. You already have a very extensive vocabulary. So, oh, I think you. I found it amazing that there were words that you didn't know, and they were also words that I didn't know. But unlike you, I just went, "Don't know that one," and skimmed right over it. <laughs> Move along. <laughs> Well, I would like to start. I didn't know what Titian meant. We kept. Being I did look. Nancy's I did look hair. that one up. Yeah, I was like, "What is Titian haired? A tint of red hair, most commonly described as brownish orange." And Nancy is apparently Titian haired. I thought she was blonde. She is described as blonde up until this book. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> and then they refer to her Titian hair like a thousand times. So Nancy is now a redhead. Carolyn Keene has a thing with redheads. 
And it wasn't the high school tennis Dirk star. Dirk was a redhead. Red we have had, there has been the, the guy that approaches Nancy, okay, in the mm-hmm, bungalow mystery, uh, yep. when she's on the beach, uh, having her little nap by the beach before she goes to sleuth in the woods at night. There's like a random dude that tries to approach her and she, she ignores him. He had red hair. There's several hmm. people in this book that have red hair, including Nancy. And, if you Google it, you will discover that red hair is extremely rare percentage-wise in the population. It's like 1% or 2% oh. of the population or something has have red hair. So, Carolyn Keene had a thing. Well, Nancy's now a redhead, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> Nancy, just like that. Red hair. I also had to look up charge plates, so Nancy's charge plate gets stolen from her room, <laughs> and this information is brought to you by creditcards.com. <laughs> wherever you shop for credit cards we'll help you at creditcards.com so charge plates they're the predecessor to credit cards okay like i figured that context clues yeah yeah. they they were used up until the 60s and they're made of aluminum or white metal okay now here's where this gets interesting this says they were about the size of a dog tag hmm and they were embossed with the customer's information. And the back side had like a piece of paper, a paperboard insert, it's called, with the issuer's name and signature. So they would like print your name and address in the metal. And then on the back, they'd slide this piece of paper in, which is where you signed it. Hmm. Um, they were most commonly issued by department stores, which is what happens in this book. Mm-hmm. But also some oil companies and store associations. Um and then it all this this is not Nancy's scenario, but sometimes the stores would keep them in the store, mm. and you'd go to make your purchase and say like, "Yo, I'm Nancy Drew. My charge plate is on file," and they'd go grab it and check you out and then keep it there, hmm. um, which is interesting. Well, in theory, I mean, it wouldn't have been anything electronic, right? So, in theory, it would just be a like a quick way for them to invoice you. I I guess so. Huh. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Charge plates. Learn something charge new. Charge plates. Um, before we get to the obvious shark in the room, which is I'm saving for last, <laughs> uh, there were two weird phrases that happened yeah. that I jotted down. So right at the beginning, when we get to Lilac Inn and we meet John McBride, mm, he is laying mm, it on John. thick with the ladies. Mm-hmm. And Emily goes, oh, John, now don't go making up to my friends. Uh huh. When I was like flirting horribly ooh. with them, like I hate that phrase. Don't go making up to my friends, which I'm guessing is like you know flirting, flirting with, yeah, ki- kissing up to my friends. Kind you of thing. you, you um, don't like that phrase? No, it's just ugh, something is gross about it. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. Um, so I jotted that down because it made me uncomfortable I, on my insides. I, I like too that Emily was like, she's engaged and she's just super busy. So leave him alone. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, Emily. My friends are not available. They're John. not available. They're not here for you, John. <laughs> These are my bridesmaids. Back off. Um, my favorite phrase is something that, of, of course, Helen said, because Helen's the best. And she is basically talking smack about Maud, uh-huh. and she's saying that like Maud hasn't come down from her room all day. She won't give us the time of day, and she says Helen says very sassily, "Maud's being very exclusive today." <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that one at all. 
That's oh, fun. I died laughing. I was like, I cannot wait to use that in real life. If someone like snubs me or like blows me up, like, oh, Kelly's being very exclusive today. I see. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm going to use that. Helen is very sarcastic, and I love it. I love her. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It's good. Um, and then so obvious, best for last skin diving what is up with that i i did google this one and there is no concise like definite the first thing i read was skin diving is like you swim without a breathing apparatus but then she's clearly swimming with a breathing apparatus um yes and a wetsuit and a wetsuit and so and most people are like well skin diving is just like diving like it's like snorkeling in your swimsuit right but no i would i would if there's anybody out there that knows what skin diving actually is, please tell us because, you know, in my seven minutes of research, I couldn't find a definitive answer. I didn't even look it up. I was like, I don't want that in my Google search history. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is all of my vocabulary for today, Kelly. That's great. I, my job now is to (laughs) help us explore all of the classic mystery elements in this book. And there were a bunch and I'm super excited. So are you ready? There were so many. I am. Step it, okay. Step us through it. So, number one, we get some, we get like 45 different methods of danger, <laughs> like put upon these characters. I mean, yeah. they can't just pick one or three. I mean, there, there were literally more elements of danger in this book than there were chapters. So, I'm not going to get into all of them, but suffice it to say... She was kidnapped. She nearly drowned in a canoe. Then she nearly drowned in the river. She had a spear thrown at her that was just stopped by her camera. She was nearly blown up in a bomb. There was the earthquake scenario. She got run off the road by the red truck. Um, oh, and then she nearly like drowned in the final, in the final boat scene thing in a fire. Right. Yep. So yeah, we kind of like, through everything we had at this one again like i mean it's there's lots of drama <laughs> this is going to be a big big budget film um yes yeah so so like you take all of that and then like this little like ghost plot thing i still can't work it out i'm like you guys have access to military weaponry and time bombs but like you think impersonating a ghost is the way to go like you have bigger tools in your belt than this i that's a very good point it felt to me like somebody designed a really great book cover, and then they were like, Ugh, I guess I got to put the ghost in the book somewhere. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, this one was my favorite one in, in terms of classic mystery elements. Okay. The lights go out, and when they come back on, the jewels have been stolen. My necklace! My necklace! My diamonds! Yes. yes. Totally. Now, totally. And, like, you could see that coming from a mile away. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, when... So, Helen is sitting... Not Helen. Emily is sitting at one end of the table looking at her wealth, which, to be fair, is three quarters of a million dollars worth of diamonds, which I'm like, why would you ever take those out of the bank? But whatever. Never. Um, And she gets up... And walks around to the other end of the table to see her aunt. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. And then the lights go out. And I was like, well, the, the diamonds are gone now. And sure enough, the lights come. So, I mean, it was like kind of predictable. But it was it was like one of those great 
man, you just just for a minute, I wanted to be in the brain of the thief. You know, like it was it was Ocean's Eleven from the victim side. You know, like <laughs> you just know that the plotting yes. and planning that went on was so good. In that, we find out there's another hidden patch passageway, which yep. I mean, right off the bat, when they tell us that Lilac Inn is a Revolutionary War build, my first thought was like, I wonder if there's going to be secret passageways in here, because that was kind of the thing at, what was it, Twin Elms? Um, yes. Where there was like the the little listening nook so that the owners of the home could, could listen in on the servants Spy. in the kitchen. Yep. Yeah. So kind of. I mean, anyway, I was like, ooh, there's Hidden Passageway. Love it. And Nan- and Nancy figured that one out quick. She's like, mm-hmm, I've seen this before. <laughs> Here, hold my beer, Helen. She did the classic tapping of the walls mm-hmm. to find a hollow sound. And she's like, oh, secret passage. Oh, hey, no, right here. Oh, just as I suspected. Yeah. Ho-hum, another Hidden Passageway. Um, we have the discovery of the fake replacements, which again called it from a mile away. Of course, they're fake. Uh, yes, right. Same when when John is John, John McBride finds mm-hmm. them like the next day. He's like, "Oh my god, the, hey everybody, the diamonds were great right here news. all along. They must have just fallen out of her pocket." I'm like, "I don't think I'm like, so, <laughs> bro. That is some cubic zirconia, and I can't even see it. <laughs> I can't even see it. I'm like, John, you must be new to espionage, like very." Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe Angel. You did not mention this in your plot, I don't think, is Nancy gets framed. So I didn't mention that. You're right. Yeah, like she wakes up in the middle of the night, she hears something and eventually figures out that someone had broken into her cabin to plant a tiny little diamond in her coin purse. And then there's this whole orchestrated thing the next day where somebody bumps into her and it's just like this little diamond is discovered in her coin purse. And... The only thing I could think was, like, man, you know, Nancy's friends are pretty good friends. Like, nobody doubted her for a second. And I kind of wished they had. It would have been more interesting if there had been, like, a little bit of baby doubt that maybe Nancy Oh, that's interesting. But wasn't she with Helen and we... She was with Helen, Helen Emily, and Maude. Oh, Maud and Emily would for sure throw Maud, her under the bus. Maud did, but like Emily didn't. Emily was like, she would never. And I'm like, you don't know her that well. You don't. <laughs> but maybe, maybe she was like, Kelly. I'll just take this little one, you know? <laughs> I'll just take this little end piece, you know? You're fine. You won't, you'll never miss it. This, one, yeah. this one's like only, you know, $10,000 and you've got 740 left to build that pool with. You're good. She'll never know it's mm-hmm. not. <laughs> Okay, so we got the whole diamond thing. Yep. Okay, this is one of my all-time favorite ones in, like, this is a very Agatha Christie clue, very, the typewriter quirk. So. Oh, I love a typewriter quirk. Me too. Me too. I love it. So in this book, it's the, it's like a faded letter A. But in, and so there's like, you know, eventually a second you know, how do I put this? Nancy, like, investigates a typewriter to see if um, Maud's typewriter has a bad A, but it doesn't. So that kind of eliminates her. And then later, another letter is found, the letter in the crotch of the tree, which really, like, I, yeah. um, which is a whole nother thing. I We don't even need to get into. That was so bizarre. But um, that, but it, that, that letter also had the faded letter A. So that kind of helped Nancy 
put two and two together with these multiple personalities, which, as I'm talking about it, this is a very Westing game crossover moment. Oh. Yeah, we've got one character, Gay, who is impersonating. She has like four other identities, just like Sam Westing. Spoilers. Just like Sam Westing. Mm-hmm. Although I think Sam Westing executed his. <laughs> With a little bit more. Trickery a little more efficiently. <laughs> a little more panache, let's say. Yes. Indeed. Um, we've got more mastery of disguise, which my fave. And we we would be truly remiss. I would be remiss if I didn't phrase this in the way that I wrote it in my notes, which is Nancy has an evil twin. A twin. Yeah. More twins. <laughs> I think this we is love four a twin. in a row where there are twins yeah. involved. Four for four are four with a for twin. Four. <laughs> so Gay is posing as Nancy and several other people. But the, from the first page where we discover that there's somebody who's impersonating Nancy Drew, I have I was waiting for the moment. I And I was praying the whole time, like, Please don't pass up the opportunity to have a which one is the real Nancy Drew moment. Oh, and we did. And we did. We did. And it was so satisfying. Where like even her dad for a second, even Carson was like, "He's like, oh, you better wipe off some makeup." <laughs> y'all look real similar. It was so good. Um, but I was, I was like, please let us not, not miss that opportunity because I. That's like the best thing with a with an evil twin, right? It's like which one's the good one? We also have coded messages. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's the blue pipes code that sends her off in a couple. But but my favorite was the flowers in the window. Those had a message. Oh, I loved that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And do you remember what the flowers in the window meant? Oh, because um, it made me laugh it- so hard. Wasn't it like? watch out for a sleuth or something correct <laughs> so <laughs> i'm gonna make a sticker that says that and put it so on good. my trapper keeper <laughs> Ooh, i want a trapper keeper and that sticker done <laughs> finally we've got some real classic villains in this and like you said like oh, yeah. some of them are they're too boring to even talk about like they just clearly you needed a couple extra bodies to help drive all of these vessels but <laughs> Um, Gay just turns into a classic, like, Bond villain in the final scene where she's like, ha 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 ha, twirling her mustache with Nancy tied to a chair as she lays out the entire plot to her. Yes. And even her, like... all of the things I did. Yeah. And even one of her, um, associates comes in and is like, you're talking too much. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, correct. Correct. (laughs) Gil Gary, he's one of the gardeners. And if you yes. didn't know he was in on it from the, his description, then you're not paying enough attention because um, he is described as skinny and narrow-eyed. And he also has two first names, which is just a classic, like, serial killer <laughs> naming convention. Ah, uh, Gilgary. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, my only question for you is, are crew cuts so... Uh, uncommon in Nancy Drew times that they could be used as an identifier like this? That's what I was wondering. I'm like, this is not today when gentlemen have hair of many varieties. Like, dudes pretty much straight up had short hair, I'm assuming, at this this time. And they're like, 
I saw a guy with a crew cut, yeah. and then they see another guy with a crew cut, and that must be the same person. <laughs> right. I was like, what? How? What is? What kind of? What kind of haircut does Carson have? And is it that decipherable from like a distance? No, and also John McBride's from the army, so Thank he you. certainly would also have a crew I cut. I would imagine he would have something similar. Like yeah. short boy hair, but I don't know. <laughs> anyway, this this concludes my sleuthy recap. Very well done. Thank you, Karen. I, I learned I learned things. So So Oh, my favorite section of all. The real world. Real world river heights. Yes. Mm. <laughs> So I think my major epiphany for this section this week, I was like, man, Nancy, you actually already said this. Nancy is so lucky to have the friends that she has mm-hmm. or any friends at all for two <laughs> reasons. One, she is constantly put like Helen has almost died like a hundred times because of Nancy. Mm-hmm. And Helen is still like, I love you and I will continue to hang out with mm-hmm. you which like after the 17th concussion i would be like we need to have a serious yeah, conversation we need to sit down and have a conversation about our friendship also when i tell you you need to call the police just go ahead and call the police please and thank you just do it mm-hmm. just do it so like her friends are very loyal to her and i applaud them mm-hmm. the second reason she's lucky to have friends is that like Again, everyone is dying left and right in these. Like, Emily's parents died in a plane crash. Laura Pendleton's parents died in a boating accident. Mm -hmm. Baby Judy's parents died in a boat explosion. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, this is... uh, People are getting offed left and right. So, that continues in this. So, I'm just really relieved for Nancy that she has... A healthy and loyal crew around her. I, I could not agree more. It's it's amazing that any of them have survived to the age of 18. I know. I know. Um, my second thing of note mm-hmm. for real world River Heights what, that I just am still laughing about is Maud is so thirsty to hang out so with Carson. Thirsty. Uh, <laughs> she brings it up multiple yeah. times. She's like, Hey, your dad's a pretty eligible bachelor. Is he still single? Right. Like, and Nancy, it's like the one time I think Nancy really gets like mad at another character. Yes. She's like, I hate her now. Yeah. Do not speak about my father that way. You will never go on a date with my dad. I will see. Not going to happen. To it. Yeah. I'm like, yes. What, is there like a, you know, hot attorneys of River Heights calendar floating out there or something? Like, Maude is into it. She's like, is your dad Carson? Yes. Like, what do you know about it? You know? Yeah. Like, back off, mm-hmm. lady. Yeah. Nancy, um, one of, one of, I, I, you know, I learned a lot of new phrases from living in the South for seven years. Oh my God. I can't wait. Um, one of my favorites applies to the situation, which is bo- bowing up. So. Oh, Na- what does that mean? Like, puffing out your chest. So, like, Nancy, oh. Nancy, like, bowed up. Yeah. She mm-hmm. did. But in, like, the, yeah, she, the most, like, polite, like, while wearing nylons and pumps kind of way. I also, like, I watch way too many Lifetime movies and other reality TV, but I kind of felt like the dig of Maude saying, like, I want to uh, hook me up with your dad kind of thing was, like, I could be your new stepmom, Nancy. Mm. And I, I just, like, I felt that insidiousness in that comment. And I was like, Nancy is going to flip the car. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't blame she's not her. here for this. 
No. Mod, Especially because Mod it's like, was the worst. Maud, you've been nasty to me since the moment I stepped on premises. Like, yeah. which I didn't understand. And Maud even admits at the end, like, I was jealous of you, Nancy. Why? Because <laughs> Nancy gets to spend so much time with Carson. Like, <laughs> I don't <ew>. know. <laughs> I yeah, it was not it was, it was not a good not a good look for Miss Maud. I I have so many questions about Lilac in in general because I I I guess it's kind of like a bed and breakfast kind of thing, right? Or yeah, but like the the addition of Maud as a social director makes me think it. Like, the only thing I could think of was like Kellerman's and Dirty Dancing. Like, are oh that yes yeah and which. I'm there for, but I'm like, are they trying to be like the Kellermans, Kellermans of Illinois? I don't, I, think I don't so. think Maude is the right person for this job. No, like, hey, everybody, we're going to have a luncheon on the docks today and there's going to be ping pong. And yeah, no, Maude is not a bag of fun. Like, she's <laughs> no, she is killing not a bag of fun. jollies everywhere. Ooh, she in is- that scenario, can the non-bungalow shack down by the river be like where they do the dirty the- dancing? Yeah, it's the rec room. Okay, cool. Great, good talk. Yeah, totally. All right. Um, okay, most important thing that I will ever say on this podcast. Yes. John, uh, John seems like a handsome devil. He, <laughs> he's even got bride in his last name. I mean, you might as well just he's, call him John Wedding. So he, we know when we meet him, he is like, hey, I'm in the army. I'm on leave for a month. I'm here to be Dick's best man. Like, no, no big. And Carson as we mentioned, like, loves yeah. him. And he's like, I don't know, this guy seems too good to be yeah, true. Yeah, Carson's, Carson's like, like no. let me notarize him. Rubber stamp. He's a... <laughs> I, we, would, we would be screwed if there wasn't a notary <laughs> reference in this. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Um, Check. Yeah, Carson is like, jo- John is a man's man. Mm-hmm. Like, the guys are like, I love this guy. I mean, um, he, picks, he, he picks Helen up and carries her, like, jogging yes, back to in her. his arms. Yes. There's even a picture of it. I know, I Ugh. love that picture. I was like, that's going on the wall. He's mm-hmm. so dreamy. Uh, he flirts with Nancy so much that for the first time, Kelly, I don't know if you noticed this, he makes Nancy blush. Really? She blushed? She blushed. He is like, this is towards the end of the book. She comes back from a, an escapade and he's like, well, what has the beautiful detective been up to now? Um, and she blushes. And I was like, oh. Well, she he also like, saves she's, his life. She does save his life. Mm-hmm. And like Nancy has, again, in this book, made it very clear that romance is not on her radar. She does not care. She'll like go on a date, but she's not looking to like boo mm-hmm. up with anybody. But she. <laughs> she's and, not and, looking to boo up. <laughs> She's not. She has no time. She is a busy gal. <laughs> but and and though she mostly is impermeable to his wiles, he does break through the exterior a little bit and he makes her blush and she's like, "Okay, I see you, John McBride. Mm-hmm. Like you're pretty cute." Um, it seems like he's a bad guy the whole time, but it's just because he is basically in the CIA the entire time. I know. I, okay. I could go on about John forever, but essentially, I think he's the best. I think I'm on Team John, and yeah. I'm kind of sad that we'll never see him again. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's super disappointing. I mean, because, like, in our little bracket, so we had Dirk, who we hated. and Woof. and Correct. And so he then went up in our bracket against Don. So Dirk, Dirk was in the first book. He was the um, tennis. high school tennis star, right? <laughs> Yep. Who we hated because he was impatient. And then there was Don, who was the former 
high school prom date, right? Yes, junior prom date. And, yep. like, Don clearly won in the fight against yes. Dirk. And so now Don has to go up against John. And, like... That's very... That's who? unfair to Don, because he's... He Poor doesn't Don. stand a chance. Like, I think Don's a nice guy, but, like... I mean... Is he in the CIA? No. Did he carry Helen in his arms? No. no. Don didn't even drive. he was like i'm not feeling great nancy you do it like it's your car which i appreciated but still yeah um and listen i'm not trying to like the reason we love nancy is that she is an empowered female she doesn't care about the dudes she's doing her own thing so i don't want to belabor my crush on john too much but he's awesome (laughs) he is awesome and I just, I hope that when Nancy does, as you say, boo up with <laughs> with Ned, like, Ned is gonna, I, I don't remember Ned anymore, like, characteristic-wise. I just remember he's her, her boyfriend. Like, he's gonna have to be amazing. Like, I'm, the best. I'm sorry, Ned, are you better than handsome John McBride, who is on leave from the Army and the CIA? Hmm. It's a I, hard mountain to oof. climb. Yup. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Nancy is not dating anybody in this book, but we do have things to learn about Nancy. So many things. Tell me what they okay, are. Okay, well, we're going to start just... I don't even know that this is a Nancy-related thing, but it, we have to talk about it. In the first two pages, she is in yet another boating accident. Oh my god, I know. So, like, literally, she's in this canoe with Helen. I don't know. I mean, I have never in my life, outside of, like, you know, exploring the West territory kind of situation, like, a Lewis and Clark sitch, heard of anybody using a canoe for actual, like, point-to-point travel. Like, to commute. Right. <laughs> like, un- unless, like, point A is, like, a picnic site and point B is, like, where you're going to drink and camp, I- I- I've never heard of anybody using canoe as a means of transportation. No. Except, except for Nancy and Helen, who are like, let's just hop in the canoe, paddle upstream a few miles and get to Lilac Inn. In that journey, they run into, as we later discover, a, a submarine. submarine. <laughs> you can understand they were uh would be confused by and uh almost sink the canoe like in page two there's an illustration of this there's photographic proof um so that this as i as i tallied up in my head this is the third time nancy has personally had a boat issue in four books yeah and it's the fifth time that there has been a boat related accident mentioned in four books. Like, yeah. why, Karen, why would anybody get in a boat in River Heights? We said that in the last book. Because we were like, everybody is dying in boats. And this was a whole book ago. And we were like, you got to hang up the oars. Right. Like, the, no no more boats. No good like, Helen, in boats. stop getting in the boat with Nancy. It's going to end bad. Right. Then, then, I mean, and that's page two. So then she's also kidnapped by submarine. And then she's tied up in a burning, sinking Wait, boat. Oh, I'm, she is not. Kelly. I mean, a submarine doesn't Nancy's like. Not, Nancy's not kidnapped by a submarine. <laughs> she's kidnapped by submarine, not by a submarine. 
<laughs> okay. It's not a sentient submarine. It's which, not, which, I mean, hey. Honestly, it w- wouldn't have surprised me in this book. Give it till book 12 and we might be there. I mean, if there are aliens in the next book, I won't be entirely surprised. Same. So, yeah. Yeah, so boating is still not uh, a skill of Nancy's or anyone in this town. Well, and, really. and like, let's go ahead and add, like, driving and airplanes. Already. Yeah. Air- yeah. Airplanery. Flying. There we go. Driving and flying. So, you know... <laughs> I'm like, well, we haven't tried parachute yet or like hot air balloon, but maybe that's what we should be going with. Skateboard, rollerblade. I don't know. Get a nice pair of sneakers and just start walking everywhere. (laughs) Uh, So so the big, like one of the big things that we learned about Nancy in this book, which, oh my God, um, she- I know what you're going to say. I I know where this is going already. She luckily (laughs) has just completed her skin diver certification. (laughs) Which, thank God, in the nick of time to have an underwater mystery. <laughs> yep, that that lined up real good. Yeah, she gets written up in the paper. She is unaware of it's gonna that it's gonna happen. I believe the quote is something like, "She has mastered the ABCs spelled S E A S." No, I can't. I can't. Oh, you know what? You just made me realize I missed out in my vocabulary section because part of the skin diving equipment is an aqualung. <laughs> and I didn't Google an aqualung, but I'm assuming it's like... I, it's like, I think it's like scuba gear because I did look it up. I like mean, it's... breathe underwater yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's artificial respiration. I mean, it, it's way more than like a... um. Uh, snorkel. I mean, like, it, snorkel, yeah, it allows you yeah. to breathe underwater for, you know, some time. My favorite part of the newspaper article is she's mostly done freshwater skin diving, but the young detective does aspire to one day do saltwater skin diving. <laughs> oh, Nancy. So I believe in you, Nancy. You got this. <laughs> Maybe in college. Um, she gets officially recognized by the military. She She's given yes. a Distinguished Civilian Service Medal for her role in capturing these thieves at the end of the book because they were stealing from this, <laughs> this missile compound in her minds. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it just seems like in kind of the same way that, that it seems coincidental that Buffy has landed in the middle of the Hellmouth, this just seems like... <laughs> Like, where do you live exactly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, there, there's, I can't remember what comedian it is that makes the joke about being held up at gunpoint and how, like, his entire childhood he thought at gunpoint was a place and why would anybody ever want to go there? <laughs> like, does, does Nancy live at gunpoint? A hundred percent. Like... This girl does, has never had a normal day since we've met her. No. And this is just still her, like, summer break after her senior year of high school. It's May. That was one of the things that I actually discovered in this book because of the, um, this is the first time we actually know what month it is. She mm. mentions that luckily the water was not ice cold when they get dumped into it out of the canoe because it was May. So, oh my so she has great just graduated. And she's had four and mysteries, his- like, back to back to back. <laughs> Business is booming. Business is a booming. I'm like, what did the land do before, like, when you were actually studying geometry? 
She's, she knew that these mysteries were happening, and she was just like, I'm busy. I have to complete my AP courses. I will be available on May 1st. I'm married to my schoolwork. <laughs> yes. Um, which, which brings me to, um, oh, I should say, not only does she get the Distinguished Civilian Service Medal, she also gets um, a diamond pin that's been custom made for her in, like, a spray oh. of lilacs. So By Emily, by Emily. from her stash. Mm-hmm. That was a nice gift. Yeah, it was a nice bridesmaid gift. gift. Bridesmaid gift. I mean, like, yes, but you know the the tokens of thanks are getting substantially better as time goes. I would say. What's she gonna get at Shadow Ranch? Like a full horse? <laughs> She's gonna get a full <laughs> horse. They'll they'll give her a pony. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll see if he grows. Yeah. This is just a little mantle pony. You put him next to the clock. <laughs> mantle pony. <laughs> oh, I can't. I love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Oh, also, real question. Did you know that lilacs were, like, grew on trees? I had never thought about it, but no. I So I just was like, okay, it's, a, it's on a tree. It's a tree. Yeah, I, I still don't know that I believe that. I am I was like 99% <laughs> sure that they were a bush, but whatever. I didn't Google it, so it's fine. <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> um, so I think my favorite part of this entire book was in the like the very last sentence. And you kind of mentioned Agreed. this in the plot. Um, Nancy is married to mystery. Boys do yep. not matter. She says, yep. or I guess the narrator says, I'm flipping, I'm flipping. I like that I can hear you turn the pages. I'm like, we're going to get a direct quote here. This is not a drill. So basically, Nancy and, Helen, Nancy, Helen, and Emily are all talking. And Helen and Emily all of a sudden realize, like, they're talking about their boyfriends too much. Nancy interrupted, laughing gaily. She said, not at all. For the present, my steady partner is going to be mystery. Yeah, it is, Nancy. Yeah, it is. My girl. I love it. That is our gal dance. I love, I it. love it. Yeah. So that's that's Nancy. She's a diver. She doesn't need a boyfriend. She's good on her own. And um, she really cannot, like, man a boat. No. No. She's good at many things. Good at many things. Boating is not one of them. No. I'm concerned about horses. Kelly, just don't even, just keep your anxiety at bay. We'll cross that. Don't bay. See? Water reference. We'll cross that. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, my friend, we are nearing the end of our time together. And as always, we have some open questions. Yes. I have compiled a list of three questions for you that I would like to get your I'm, perspective on. I have on. never been more excited in all my life. Hit me. Would you yes. ever eat? There was a meal that was consumed in this book that sounded, well, you know what? I'm not going to bias you. Would you ever eat creamed chicken on toast with a side of peas? Absolutely, I would. <laughs> really? Yeah. What is creamed chicken? I don't know, but what I assume it is, and this is probably wrong, I I picture it as something like a um, like a like the innards innards of a chicken pot pie just on Ooh. toast. Oh, okay. okay. What did you think? I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong. It could be chicken salad. What do you think it is? I was picturing something because of the creamed piece. I was thinking of like cream of chicken. I was picturing like a canned meat of some sort. Oh, it probably which is. Like is. A, a no fly zone. Second question. Yes. Can you please explain to me this fake earthquake no. thing that happened? Like, uh, okay. No, I, not at all. I, the, 
again, I will say, they clearly had access to tools that were much more sophisticated than, I'm going to go pretend to be a ghost in the lilac grove. A hundred percent. I mean, this, this was like, some, like, Ocean's Eleven nonsense. Like, I'm pretty sure they used an earthquake ometer in both Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve. Probably. That I think they had to steal from foreign governments, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, and I'm sure, like, they used a machine that was so powerful, it shook the foundation mm-hmm. of this house, and then it says they were able to quickly like stealth that away in the night with no one right. noticing while everyone was awake and looking out the windows and I'm like that machine would have to be enormous yeah. like this inn is large there are many people staying there and I'm like I- I'm so confused no okay. yeah I mean they, glad they, they, they made alone. it sound like it was like smaller than a bread box yes yeah did, didn't didn't get it. My I will say that I don't remember if it was at this point. I guess it was when the when the explosion happened. But <laughs> uh, Mr. Daly running outside the house with his revolutionary musket in his hands. Oh was, yes, yes, yeah. One of my favorite moments. So yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah. That I no, I can't answer that question. All right, that makes me feel better. Uh, final question. Mm-hmm. There was a chapter of this book, which was named for the incident I'm about to describe. Okay. Which, so I was assuming that this incident would be important because of the chapter name. Okay. And then it wasn't, I don't think. So Nancy and John go skin diving to look for clues. Mm -hmm. And there is this moment where John's like, oh no, they're like underwater. They're on the bottom of the river and John's flipper gets stuck under a rock Mm -hmm. and Nancy has to free him. Mm-hmm. And then there, he's just like, "Oh, cool, I'm free now." And then they sw- he wasn't like running out of oxygen. There wasn't a glass submarine or a man with a spear coming after them. Like there were, there were no stakes. He was just like, "Oh, my shoe is a little caught," and Nancy frees him, and then they move on. Wh- what was the point of that? That's a good question. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about. It. I didn't realize that the chapter was named for that. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I don't think it had any point other than. It didn't have any point because the point, like you said, if the stakes were going to be that low, like, first of all, there needs to be some stakes. And second of all, the point would just be like bonding them, right? Like he knows he can trust her. He knows that he, that she's like, she's really good and she's, you know, fearless and savvy under pressure and calm under pressure or whatever you want to say. Um, None of that matters because they don't get together and he goes away and she'll never see him again. So, yeah, I don't think it had any point. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I mean. that I rest I rest my case <laughs> of questions. We'll never know. <laughs> no point whatsoever. Um, but, hey, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you think up a reason, I would love to know what that is. All right. I'll let you know. Uh, so, Karen, we need to get to our rating. I'm ready. Uh, I'm really jazzed to hear what your rating is this week. So this week we are rating Nancy Drew and the Mystery of Lilac Inn out of a 12 possible Aqualungs. And <laughs> I got to tell you, I am giving it 11 Aqualungs. Oh, my God. I know. Listen, I also want to say, to be really clear, I have no memory from week to week what I've rated subsequent books. So... Um, there is every reality that I am going to end up reading some book that I liked better 
lower than a previous book, and I just need you to be okay with that. Um, I that's completely. Fair. But for today, I really loved this book, even despite like some of the obvious plot holes and issues with it. I I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I give it 11, 11 aqualongs. What do you? What about you? You ready? I'm ready. I'm giving this book a 12. <gasps> oh, I'm actually so glad to hear you say that because now my 11 seems normal. Uh, 12, full 12 Aqualungs? I'm being, I'm probably being hyperbolic no. in the moment, but I, this book is a mess and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? I just standing ovation for how ridiculous this got. Like the submarine came out of the river and I was like, yes, this is insane. Like, it was like a, a surrealist exercise and like how far we could take the River Heights adventures. It's true. I loved it. The last line was money. John rolls. Helen's back. 12 aqualungs. Amazing. I, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I was being conservative with my 11, but yeah. Well, Kelly, we're, we're ended on a high note. What are we going to read next week? Okay. Next week, we are going to be investigating the secret of Shadow Ranch, which I personally cannot wait for because I feel like a ranch is very out of, like, Nancy's wheelhouse, right? Like, we've seen her on a lot of, like, country club boating kind of environments. Gardens. Mm -hmm. That being said, I suspect we're getting ready to find that she's, like, a master horse mechanic, too. Um... (laughs) So, uh, I'm, pre- keep I'm prepared for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be nice, I think, to throw her into like a little bit of a different setting. So yeah, Shadow Ranch, here we go. I love that. Well, I will be ready. Um, to our listeners, thank you so, so much for going on this journey with yes. us. We appreciate you so much. Um, if you are so inclined to please rate, review, and subscribe, help us spread the word, and we love you. Yes, thank you so much, really. And uh, Karen, as always, we would be remiss if we did not end the episode with, you know, a key takeaway, uh, a good life lesson, which I think we've we've got some good ones in this. But oh yeah, um, I'm I'm excited to see what you picked. <laughs> so so at Lilac Inn, we learned the following: if the lights go out unexpectedly during a jewel reveal party, you're probably being robbed. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and with that, happy sleuthing. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. 